0: When you hear about an artist, singer, who becomes famous the next day, wow, I love it, she came from nowhere, he came from nowhere. I'm like, "Um, this person has probably spent a year and a half writing the album, spending time in recording studios, spending time networking, um, spending time before being signed to the Beatles. Usually they had an EP release a year before and it was a whole year of promotion. All the big ones that have over 1 million followers, they've been on social media most of them since 2012. It took them months to years, and then that one day, it just snowballed effect. It's easy to have a business card. I mean, go to many events, you'll get those business cards. And the mistake, I would say a lot of people do, myself included, is you get that business card and then it ends up on the desk in a bag, and you forget about it. Cherish your friends, your family, neighbour, the new business cards you got, put it in an Excel sheet, send a text say, hey, it's so lovely meeting you, let's catch up for coffee, even if you don't catch up for six months, it's fine, and when you have an event that you think it may be good, as I said, select the people to invite, it was like in the middle of the winter and she had this water kettle, and she kept asking for like hot water, Mm. and I was like, oh, this is so sweet, she's probably a volunteer, and Mm. giving like warm water for tea for her staff, Uh, She was basically the big boss and she was the one running around to bring hot water. When you see somebody that is at the top, not caring about anything, just showing that you need to be there from A to Z. Mm -hmm. This is the kind of person I want to be.
1: Hi guys, uh, it's my pleasure to introduce to you Cinderella Balthasar. She's come all the way from Belgium, just kidding, just Chelsea. (laughs) Uh, She's an independent entrepreneurial artist. She's featured at over 40 gigs, launching her new album soon. She's worked on so many different brands and projects. Uh, She's founded three companies and we're really excited to learn more about her collaborations and what's next.
0: Thank you for having me, Martin. Pleasure, pleasure.
1: Interesting story here. You've come from Belgium and ended up in London and we don't know where's next.
0: I don't know either. I'm thinking maybe Asia, maybe the US, but right now I'm very happy to be in London.
1: It was a hard decision coming to London. You mentioned about the language, about the culture differences, and you were considering the US. What pushed you to London, or the UK in general, over the US?
0: To start with, the language barrier. So I really wanted to have an international career and Mm. learn English. And I thought, well, then I should move to the UK or the US. And I thought, if ever something happened to me.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. The UK is closer to go back to um, Belgium. Also financially, it was much cheaper.
1: Okay, okay, fair enough. And with the hard decision, uh, your family, your friends, were they supportive? Or did you feel that maybe you were taking a big risk?
0: I knew I was taking a big risk. And I knew the support wouldn't be there always. Mm -hmm. A lot of friends were like, we'll see you back in six months my parents were not very supportive. They always thought music was a career B. Mm-hmm. So I had no emotional support and I had no financial support.
1: Mm-hmm. So starting from square one, what was your first initial step when you came, when you landed? You mentioned you lived in the outskirts of London and now slowly you've moved your way down to Chelsea, which I think is very metaphoric and very uh, symbolic of the kind of progress that you've made. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, talk us through that. Um,
0: so as I said financially I had no support. Um, I had a summer job before leaving for uh, London and for some reason I did some shopping, I lost some money okay. and I came with less than £100 in my pocket and I was like I have no money for accommodation, what do I do? So I looked up for squats in London okay. and then I ended up on a website which was called Coach Surfing
1: okay. where
0: you can sleep complimentary on the coach of someone that is willing to offer you one Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and you go you send a message to say I'm going to be in London from this date how many days can you accommodate me first person offered me a week second person offered me 10 days Mm -hmm. I had some very weird people but then I ended up with an incredible person who hosted me for three months found a job was able to pay for my first deposit which was in Palmer's Green what
1: was that first job? bartender because
0: I had no language of so course, like, yeah. I thought what's a job that I can do and when I was in Belgium I did a little bit of bartending of during course. my summer job so that was the first one
1: do you feel the bartending helped you get into the food and beverage uh, side of the kind of marketing that you do sometimes now not at all no
0: but what it has taught me is that you should respect anybody that works in any industry
1: okay
0: I was paid on my first job £6.19 an hour okay and my rent was about £350
1: and this was in two thousand and and 12. 12.
0: okay. So I had to work sometimes 50 hours, not just for my rent, but also having my living expenses. Mm-hmm. I was living in Zone 4, so travel was quite expensive. Yeah, yeah. I would sometimes cycle from Zone 4 to Zone 2 wow. to save on money. Um, but it just made the hustle fun in a certain way. Yeah. You respect so much more money in what you make. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah.
1: So when did you decide... Um, being an artist or something that was going to work or did you feel that you had to spread your seeds a bit and you know focus a bit in fashion a bit in food and beverage hospitality music on top of that or did that kind of t- talk us through that kind of journey between those sections
0: I always knew working for music okay um, I went to the Academy back in Belgium and mm-hmm. studied classic piano mm-hmm. and music theory I love to sing I love to write and as I said before, I really wanted to uh, have an international career. So Belgium is very close-minded and sure. the musical options are very limited. Mm-hmm. You enter either one category or the other. And I felt London was kind of like birth of so many music shows. Sure. And I just felt every time I traveled here, I loved it. I just loved how crazy people were, how open-minded they were, how you could be anyone you wanted to be. Mm-hmm. My first job, the reason why I also did bartender, and the place I was, I chose it because on Thursday night, there was a jam. So I knew that working in a place where I could be jamming every Thursday, I would be meeting other musicians. All the bartenders hired in this venue were
1: musicians as well. And did you see progress for them? Did you feel that they were moving up? When you arrived, did you kind of replace someone or... What was the
0: cycle like? People come and go. You okay. have a lot of people who come in London that are not from the UK. Okay. Um, so some have dreams, some can't be bothered with the weather, can't be bothered with the, the wage that you yeah. get paid, how expensive the rent is. So mm-hmm. a lot of people come and go.
1: Okay.
0: Um, I knew that playing there, I would meet other musicians and not about other venues where I could go play. I learned that there was a music competition. Mm -hmm. So I registered myself. I asked all my colleagues to try it out. Nobody did it. Mm -hmm. It's like the amount of people who have dreams, but the amount of people who are actually putting efforts in a dream, there's a huge difference. And the amount of people who start a dream and then give up. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of factors that lead you to success. And then again, what's success? Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: I knew that I just wanted to keep playing and have enough money to just be sustainable. Yeah. So I did a competition. I went into national finals.
1: Wow.
0: And I ended up in the top fifteen.
1: What was the genre of music that you were focusing on then? Um, acoustic soul. Acoustic soul. We've heard some of your um, covers uh, okay, on YouTube, okay. so I might have to share some of those. <laughs> Do you still so so with the focus being offline mainly on those mm-hmm. mic nights, yeah. and you got into the finals. Mm-hmm. Did you feel then mm-hmm. there was a transition? for online or did you feel online was always going to be something that's kind of everyone's doing it it's a matter of who makes the effort offline in audiences live events what, what, what's your
0: so i was already on facebook and i used to be in an event committee back in my high school so we used facebook to promote our events and make sure people will come to our events so i thought obviously the competition people vote for you Mm-hmm. and they can vote online and during the competition. So I needed mm-hmm. to have a lot of votes okay. to enter every stage. Mm-hmm. started creating my Facebook page, my Twitter page, River Nation, MySpace. Okay. I, every single channel I could think of, I put my name on.
1: <laughs> Who is pushing you to do I mean, you mentioned there was not much support from back home. I assume they never came. Mm-hmm. They, did they come to visit, to watch you live at these mm-hmm. Did they? Did they see the progress, the baby steps, or did they just start coming as of the finals? Um
0: My mother came, okay. uh, maybe after a year.
1: Okay.
0: Um, she was always like, She supported me a little bit more because she used to rap and sing.
1: Oh, really? Yes. Wow. Um, Do you have any footage of that? <laughs>
0: I probably have like a old recording of oh, wow. her rapping and I have some of her lyrics that I kind of stole from me. I
1: love Friendship love. like it's yeah. one so of my. Guilty pleasures because I don't understand the lyrics, but I still listen to it because of the melody the song, and the right? yeah. Uh,
0: I was born listening to rap music, um, going to um, breakdance competition in the street. My brothers and I learned dance, uh, breakdance, on the street with our okay. friends. Um, the whole culture of music came from there, like it was okay. first street culture, and okay. then um thanks to I'll say my parents' position who were mm-hmm. not really wealthy, we got benefits and mm-hmm. I got um, into the music academy
1: okay, which part of Belgium was that in? is there still that music culture, street music culture, break dancing when you go back or
0: no, it's a bit different, well, I still have a lot of friends kind of um it doesn't sound great really like urban friends, you okay. know no, it's okay. more like. And they call me kind of like the street princess. Because okay. it's like, I'm moving my my way up. Uh, you never forget your roots.
1: Of course. Never ever. Of course. Do you think um, going to France would have been also like a valid option at that point? Because, you know, you mentioned that there was the French language was, mm-hmm. was a strong factor. But then London offered something more. And you did reach the final, which was fantastic. Yeah. But building up to that, did it ever cross your mind that Paris might have been another?
0: Now, no. No? Um, because I'm mixed race, mm-hmm. half Moroccan, half Chilean, mm-hmm. a lot of Arabs artists are seen as R and B singers, okay. and I was always like kind of classified. I had to look for it, so people were expecting me to sing that. There okay. is not really a an opening door for the kind it. of music I do. Maybe a bit of soul, but you don't really have French soul. Okay, <laughs> it doesn't. It's not really a thing, and I'm more to let. Like, Soul, folk, my influences are, um, well, it's a mix. It's basically Janis Joplin, Nina Simone, more modern. I yeah. love Ben Howard for his guitar skills. I love um, Mercedes Souza from a Chilean side, or Uncultum, which is the voice of the Arabic world, but it doesn't really go into R&B, okay. or French R&B.
1: Do you have any guilty pleasures when it comes to music, like reggaeton?
0: Amo Rock. Is yeah. that right? Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I kind of... I, I did a metal singer, so I kind of like metal.
1: Sure, okay. Uh, on the
0: side, this is my guilty pleasure. Okay. Sometimes I'll spend... I listen a bit to commercial pop. Okay. it's kind of uplifting and it's just... You need to know what's happening in yeah. the industry.
1: Okay. And then after the finals, going back to the finals, what, what happened after that?
0: So... I was in the 15 last one and the judges were from like big labels such as Universal, mm-hmm. Warner and I failed my performance, I okay. was very nervous, I wrote a song and I didn't rehearse properly like my first performance during the competition, I smashed it, I was confident, I worked it but the last one maybe I was too overconfident and on the day I messed it up and I felt very sad and then i had one of the judges who came to me and say you're very talented but you need to work mm-hmm. harder because talent only brings you so far
1: mm-hmm.
0: and hard work makes a difference i went back to my job as a bartender i kept doing more gigs and i was like i really want to go to the next stage mm-hmm. so i decided to enter the competition again the next year the next year okay so open mic uk is a singer-songwriter competition mm-hmm. it's mostly on YouTube, not on TV. People have to vote and like on your videos. Um, you try to sell tickets, like any mm-hmm. other competition. Yeah, yeah. But the judges are incredible. As I said, it's like basically sco- scouts from all the big labels. Mm-hmm. Some um, people from the company will recruit you to go to God and in and X Factor. I was not interested. I did do X Factor auditions my first year in London because yeah, you dream big. You come, course, yeah. you think it's the, it's the real deal. And then... The more you grow as an artist or as a person, the more you also know what you like. Okay. It's like going to the supermarket. In the beginning, you buy everything that has a big deal on. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of realize that, oh, maybe I like more organic fruits. Maybe I like okay. this a bit more. Um,
1: so then, what was the difference in the routine? What would you say the main factor were well? When you, could you mentioned hard work. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a given. So the competition is working harder. And then you think that the talent brought you that far, but then that extra step to, you know, put yourself beyond them would have been to work harder. But you're already working hard than your bartender job. So what was the different approach you took that time, compared to the previous year?
0: I started looking for jobs that would pay me more, in okay. six nineteen an hour. Of course. Yeah. Um, I discovered promo work.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When you're a brand ambassador, basically the girl that gives you free Coca Cola at the station.
1: I see. Okay. So I
0: moved from six pound nineteen an hour to ten pound an hour. Okay and it gave, me, it gave me more flexibility. I was not as exhausted from the bartending job. Mm-hmm. And a last straw was being a bartender, you're surrounded by alcohol.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And when you're young, or old really, alcohol is a temptation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And when things don't go all the time, you just have a drink. But you're kind of at work and at every night, and having one drink every night does have a toll on your body.
1: Okay.
0: Also, lifting up cases of drinks to fill up the fridges serving a lot of people it's an environment where people get drunk and don't always respect your boundaries of course okay so there were too many small incidents who started taking a toll on my mind and Mm. on my body and one day i'm lifting this box of soft drinks and my back hurts and i'm like i'm 22 and my back is hurting what am i doing
1: yeah
0: i don't i'm too tired to go for gigs let me get another job where i have more flexibility okay my part Priority was always, I'm doing this for the music. Mm-hmm. This funds what I do. Okay. I started working with more musicians, mm-hmm. like a guitarist, um, a drummer, started doing more band uh, gigs. Okay. It was always Cinderella B and then sure. and the band. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I was very strong about that because I was writing my own songs.
1: So, was that more for the claim of the songs, or was it more because of your personal brand and you wanted to stand out and be in, an independent artist eventually? I mean, what was the... Both. Both, okay. Completely
0: both. Okay. Um, So I had some clashes with musicians. But, you you know, you have your ego as a musician. It goes sometimes well, sometimes not. It's business, yeah. It's business. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And being together, as well in a band, you divide the task of your social media.
1: I see, okay.
0: So no matter what it was about, I was always on socials. Any gig I had, I would invite my friend, tag them, I was always discovering the way of passion. your social. Okay. More, I shared a lot of um, videos on YouTube. And eventually, when I did the second competition, second time, um, I ended up again in the last 15 one, and then I ended up in the last fifth.
1: Okay.
0: On 10,000 participants. Wow. And at that time, my, I had two of my musicians. We worked so hard for it. And we thought we'd be in the top three. And we had the three winners coming to us. And they were like, we don't understand. Your results haven't moved from since you were in the top five to the end results. And we realized that I sent the wrong code to people to vote. Oh, my God. But everything is is meant to be. Yeah. So none of those three winners at the time are still in music today. Okay. So people do competitions the first time. Like... Small example, when I did a competition the first time, nobody who did it the first time entered it the second time.
1: I see, okay.
0: I did not want one failure to stop me. I was like, you know, what went wrong? What can I do better? And it went better. I went from being in the top 15 to the top 5th. I made a small mistake of sending the wrong code. But the amount of contacts I made, the amount of musicians I got to meet, and... At that time, it was the second year I was doing it. So, second year, I was pushing on my socials for the competition. So, I learned from my mistakes from the year before. Started adding all the judges on their Twitters, uh, Facebooks, LinkedIn. Um, Kind of like stalking mode. Sure. But just so that my name will be in the back of their mind.
1: Yeah. And it works.
0: And it worked. I I was having a better job. Okay. Paid better. And then... I started only accepting jobs which were in which were more like luxury area. Because I knew that if I wanted to find somebody that would invest in my music, I wouldn't find many of them in Shoreditch or Camden mm-hmm. or Dalston. Like, it's nice to have a pub. Sometimes you'll meet someone.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But the high probability of having someone who has money to invest in you yeah. is in rich areas. So I took a job. One of my jobs was concession manager at Selfridges for a Christmas brand. So I was personalising Christmas bubbles. You would come to me and be like, can I have my name on a Christmas bubble? Sure, here we go, 18 pound. And I was paid 12 pound an hour. And then the amount of people I was talking to, I had an offer to be in a modelling agency. I got some business cards, just people, you talk with them, they like you, you exchange details. And then I got to meet somebody I was like, hey, do you want to go to a club afterwards? We are going to Mayfa. Got to meet a music producer
1: there. Wow. So it's really almost, not a coincidence, but sometimes when you really push the boundaries and you take those extra steps, it's almost meant to happen. You're saying it's, it's, you're, you're bound to meet someone, and you're talking more about the habits. So the goal hasn't changed, mm-hmm. but the way you're going about achieving the goal has changed. You're setting smaller targets, yeah. and the social media strategy wasn't enough. So you started collecting business cards offline and then you started consolidating who you're following online with who you've got, got in touch with offline yeah. and you start targeting them and you start, not harassing them, but you start almost you know, targeting them with your content and your name. So it's always in the back of their minds. And what was the outcome of that? In the end, it's like, as in obviously now you're in a really strong position, but mm-hmm. when was it really starting to accumulate into a snowball effect?
0: when i took a break you
1: took a break okay um,
0: <laughs> so i mentioned i was working at selfridges um. and i was invited to a mayfair club okay. and i realized that being a guest in mayfair i was somebody was making money on my head
1: right
0: through guest lists and i was like oh i can make more money than in selfridges which means i can invest more money in my music of course let me do this job in addition this is where I'll get more contact because partying is the best for networking.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and I will be more in touch. Like people get bored when you continuously invite them to the same thing. There is a misconception that you have, like, that you have to invite your same friend over and over to your gigs. They'll come the first gig, they'll come the second one, maybe the third one, but they won't come ten times. It's repetitive. People have, like, they've listened to your music once. Yeah. They won't go ten times. So you need to divide your network, the people you know. Let's say on this gig, I invite 20 people I know. Next time, I'll invite 20 people from work. Next time, I invite some of my neighbors mm-hmm. and mix it up. Okay. You're also making it feel more exclusive. Because sure. they'll come to one event, and then they will see you had another event, but you didn't invite them. Okay. So they'll be like, oh, you didn't invite me? But if I invite you ten times, you think you have too much choice and you would be like next time next time and the next time never happens
1: so you're, pick, you're cherry picking the event to the people that you invite rather yes. than just carpet bombing your whole contact list yes and that was a strategic choice that yes. okay wow
0: and I did the same for when I was working then in Mayfair and Chelsea Nights where I founded a company Kings and Queens guest list which yeah. was a concierge service and a guest list company
1: and how so when so you focused on music then you started this company. That was your first official yes. business project. What, enough, yeah. how, how did that go?
0: Well, it was tiring. Okay. And in my mind, I loved going to clubs because the speakers in clubs are incredible. It's always linked in a certain way to music. I would go to those nights and I would observe the DJ. Sometimes they would have artists playing live and I was like, I want to be playing there but I'm not at a level yet. Mm-hmm. So the only thing I can do is just work more and write more.
1: What made them stand out against you, in your opinion, at that time? What did they have that you didn't? English. Okay.
0: Music skills. A team.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: An image. I felt I had so much more to learn. Okay. And I still didn't know what and who i was okay. i was still discovering my whole artist identity and one of those nights helping with kings and queens helping another company for their guest list we're ending up at a casino for an after party drink mm-hmm. because casinos are open 24 hours in london and i'm meeting a friend of mine He's a son engineer also working as a um, promoter for nightclubs yeah. And he goes for a cigarette on the balcony, and I'm ordering a drink at a bar. And he comes, and he's like, Cinderella, you need to come outside. So like, I don't have a cigarette, I'm too broke. And he's like, no, 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 you have to come. I say, okay, I'll come. And he introduced me to this guy, and he offered us a cigarette. So I'm like, great. And the first thing he tells me is like, are you a model? I'm like, no. Yeah, you're too small to be a model anyway. And I'm like in the back of my mind, I was like, what a rude person. Yeah. But I'm like, you know what? Well, I've worked really, really hard today. Yeah. That is like it was a really, really bad night because we had nobody turning up. Oh wow. So I'm like, I need a drink, and I don't need someone that is rude to me to ruin my night even more.
1: Okay.
0: Let me just talk to him and like see why he's so rude. Yeah. And we end up talking, and this guy is a film director. Okay. His name is Anirin. And he ended up being very interesting and then started being more nice okay. and he asked me what do you do and I say, like, I'm a sing-songwriter and this is the way I've always introduced myself I never said I'm a bartender um, um a sorry CEO really? of a Kings yes. and Queens yes oh like. I'm not oh I'm working at services I always introduced myself as a sing-songwriter
1: so at that time you were a singer songwriter you were a CEO of a Kings and Queens concierge and you were also still working in Selfridges?
0: Um, no, Selfridges was already gone. So you had
1: two major things going yeah. on there. So you're already starting to kind of see uh stepping stone towards managing multiple things yeah. simultaneously. Alright, okay. And how is Kings and Queens doing now? What is it?
0: Oh we saw we saw saw the, we, we saw the database, um, it was just too much hassle to chase oh. it. <laughs> Uh, invoices yeah like nightlife can be a big of a hustle it was a fun time I loved it yeah I've made so many content like contacts that everything happens for a reason sure but you also have to know why am I doing this I knew that I love being in clubs because of the music okay but I also knew that clubs are an incredible place to promote your music and if you know the managers and if you work for them and if you know the owners of the venues and the staff the day your music is out and the day you need a venue to promote it because you've worked for them, you'll have a discount or you may even have the venue for free. Mm-hmm. And even today, I still know a lot of managers and promoters from clubs in London.
1: So leveraging from past favors yes. is something that really puts businesses... Okay. okay. And then what was your thought? Because obviously you came initially to London just to backtrack. Now you, mm-hmm. English was a struggle. You weren't sure if you made the right choice. Not much support from home. You explored with the music, songwriting, and you pushed hard on that. Then you started your own business, and then eventually went on to sell it. But then, what did you learn from a leadership point of view? What did you learn about yourself that made you think, "What well, if I can start a business? If I can, like, what what was the kind of what was going through your mind?
0: I always felt different from a lot of musicians. Mm-hmm where a lot of musicians only put their time in their craft, people have this, I think, myth on musicians that are too proud to put time in social media, too mm-hmm. proud of seeing their music as a business project.
1: Yeah.
0: And I saw so many musicians who, yeah, they, they gave everything in their music, but then as soon as they would make a little bit of money, they would spend it drinking with their buddies. Okay. They'd be smoking whatever or partying and do whatever drugs and then they'd be complaining that they didn't have money to pay the rent yeah, yeah. or not enough money to pay for the studio or they would turn up late for a rehearsal session mm-hmm. it has happened to me yeah i started partying like everybody else when you come yeah, to london yeah. it's an incredible partying city yeah but i hated that i hated when i was late i hated when people were late i hated when i couldn't sing because the alcohol or having smoked a cigarette would ruin my voice and i was like what is the next stage? And I've always been loved being into, like creating projects. Hmm. And then I realized that I was basically also a businesswoman.
1: Okay. And Responsibility.
0: And something in me clicked and I realized I was an entrepreneurial artist.
1: Okay.
0: And once I accepted it, I was like, okay, let's create stuff. Let's perish the boundaries of what okay. I can do. Wow. And I love, I love it. It's just fun. And you realize they're not, I was like, okay, who can I get inspiration from? And I didn't find many people. But when you look at all the people at the top, in terms of musicians, singers, songwriters, models, they are all business people. They all start side brands, yeah. um, side businesses. Some of them had businesses even earlier. It okay. was just not publicist.
1: Okay. See, I didn't know that. So a lot of artists, do you have any examples? that Some artists would start their business projects whilst they're still young in their careers as opposed to leveraging on their personal brand and then starting later which I guess both cases work but then could you talk us through kind of the Um,
0: I'm trying to find like a immediate template um, Mm. example but may not have one from someone that created a business early on I'll take more an example of someone who's already very established Mm -hmm. um, Rihanna Rihanna. when she started her beauty brand okay um, she always had an interest in makeup okay before she was doing her own makeup, she was doing makeup tutorials. And then she started her brand about one or two years ago without doing collaboration with somebody else. She saw the potential of her social media marketing to launch a product on her own.
1: Now, here's an interesting question. If, mm-hmm. if Rihanna mm-hmm. was to start from zero today, could she still make it, do you
0: think?
1: 100%. What puts her apart as a businesswoman? and singer-songwriter or entrepreneurial artist as you mentioned
0: I would scrap Rihanna I would um, use if a girl mm-hmm. from the beginning or a boy at 17 years old because okay. she was 17 and she basically made it happen sure. decided to start from scratch could he or she make it I would say 100% today think
1: today competitive yes yeah.
0: it's all about of, what do you want to do mm-hmm. why do you want to do it okay. where do you see yourself do you want to be happy do you want fame do you want money do you want to bring something to the world do you want to inspire do you want to be inspired okay so I'll be like put your goal on a sheet and see what other people have done why you want to do okay if nobody has done it try to find a mentor if somebody has done it analyze what they've been doing
1: okay
0: and do it and every day we get new tools whatever um, those are from technology, whatever they are, from social media. We have so many tools and we're in a world where internet is accessible from almost everywhere. Okay.
1: Well, who was your inspiration then, when, you, I mean, when, when you're looking inwards to see where you can deliver the most value to everyone? Who was your key inspiration? Or maybe you had a few you picked them?
0: And... I picked them. Yeah. Um, I love the story of Nina Simon because she came from a very difficult background.
1: You related to that?
0: I felt, I related. Um, Maybe also the classically trained person, um, wanting to do this, but people don't really want to see that Mm -hmm. part. Mm -hmm. Um, I was put in a category of R&B singer, but I didn't want to be doing that. Um, I'm not from a very wealthy background, not wealthy at all. Uh, So I didn't really have that much support but mm-hmm. I just love the fact that if someone really believes in what they do, they can make it happen. Sure. And it's just about failing, failing, failing until you succeed. Because every failure is a lesson.
1: Of course. When Kings and Queens uh, were sold, how did you feel? Did you feel a sense of emptiness that you built something for so long and sold it? Or did you already have in mind what you wanted to do next?
0: I was a bit sad. Because yeah. it was fun. Okay. Um, and I thought... I had this as a master plan, mm-hmm. empire idea. Okay, okay. <laughs> I guess uh, every entrepreneur can be a little bit of a mega man. Um, but how
1: important do you think it's to dream, then, in that sense, to dream about that empire, to dream it's about? It's so important. It's so important. I,
0: um, I'm very careful with who will share my ideas. Okay. And sometimes even the closest people can be very negative, and I'm like, and then we'll pick up a fight. I'll be like. Why don't you see the positivity out of it? If you're not positive, it's not being about being okay. an, an utopist. Okay. It's about dreaming and doing everything to make that dream a goal. Mm-hmm. And sometimes things happen and sometimes not. But if you don't try and say, this is not going to happen, of course it's not. Because yeah. you're, like, you're not even trying. Sure. But if you try everything along the journey, you're going to learn so much. And the journey is best. Mm-hmm. If you don't enjoy the journey, don't even start. Don't, don't even have a goal because it's worthless.
1: Okay. And with, re- with regards to sharing the ideas, sharing with people that are going to be positive and constructive, who did you share yours, yours with?
0: My like, mentors.
1: Mentors, okay.
0: My partner.
1: Okay.
0: And maybe my best friend. Okay. But nobody else. Okay.
1: So it's not a matter of them kind of stealing the idea because... Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um... People steal, yeah. um, or okay. people get inspired, they copy and they're like, you're an inspiration. Okay. So even if you're already established as a business, you still have the risk of having a huge company stealing from you. I see, okay. So, one, I'm not sharing because, yes, I'm paranoid that somebody would steal okay. my idea. Um, two, I also think they're too good to be told. <laughs> Again, it's the make other men uh, yeah. mind behind every entrepreneur
1: I guess for me it, it, it's hard because if if someone's not put the work in how can they be so quick to judge the small details unless they've been through it so I guess that's why you chose someone like mentors who's mm-hmm. been there done that and they can talk with the benefit of hindsight and ups yes. and downs I see Okay, and then with the next steps, do you have that long-term picture? So when you decided to sell the company, did you have that long-term picture of what you want to do next, or?
0: Um, before selling it or after selling it? Before selling it. Before selling it, I had this picture in mind of what I wanted it to be. Hmm. Um, now, with the businesses I'm doing, it's still in the back of my mind. Sure. If the, after selling it, um, I always made sure that the database was still mine. Okay. Because database is important. So and the, the idea will never be completely gone. I can always start it again in the future if I feel it's needed. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah.
1: But just to touch on that topic of database, and we live in an age of big data, how important is data to you? I mean, are you a very data-driven entrepreneurial artist? Mm-hmm. Or do you feel that data is overrated and if you dissect it too much, you can end up going in circles?
0: Yeah, I think there is um, a lot of data that is being taken out of you or that people want that I don't see any interest in. For me, data means I need your name, I need your social handle, I need your email and your phone number. Okay. That's all. Okay. That's the most important data I need from people. Sure.
1: And in terms of going into their habits and the activities and what they're following, their trends, what they're thinking, what they're doing, you know, these typical marketing templates that you get... I don't follow them. No, I think
0: okay. like I don't believe in trends. I don't believe in targeted commercials. I hate it. when I visit a shopping website because I want a dress, mm-hmm. and then I go on my Facebook or any of my social, and I see this advertisement for the website I just went.
1: Yeah.
0: I just had an idea. would go look on the website. I didn't buy the dress because I was not that interested, or maybe I was interested and I bought it. And then I'm getting more publicity thrown to my face. Yeah. And I'm like. Why? If I want to buy something, I'll go. I don't need you to throw it at my face. I don't need to collect what I do. I know what I like. Um, But I'm guessing maybe I'm not the right uh, customer for those uh, database um, campaigns. Okay. And I don't get really affected to it. I'm just like deleting, deleting. And in the back of my mind, it may affect me, but I just hate it. Mm -hmm. I'm like... And if I hate it, I'm sure that a lot of people do too. And it's going to have a big backlash.
1: Mm-hmm. So, so you feel more with the kind of written feedbacks and interactions and qualitative um, reports and information that that seems to be more useful for you. And especially because you mentioned you like to get stuck in and uh, really be in the nitty gritty side of it, speaking to consumers, hearing them. How important is social listening for you? So we can repeat. So, so, uh, yeah. I didn't la- understand no, that. Um, the social listening. So, so you mentioned when you going to different exhibitions, different. Mm-hmm. You were you were a brand ambassador. Yes. So you were always listening to what people were saying about the brands yeah. as you were giving them the product. Then when you started going to more concerts and taking a more leadership role, mm-hmm. how how important was it still to maintain that rapport with the final consumer with the.
0: I think a one-on-one connect is so important I admire entrepreneurs a boss that knows how his company runs from A to Z let's say let's talk about hospitality you have a restaurant and you're the owner of the the restaurant you know how to clean the floor you know how to clean the toilet you know how to serve a pint if you have a kitchen you know how to do like this, the basics. Yeah. Like obviously you're going to hire a chef for if you have like this kind of really fancy menu, but Mm. you should know everything. You know how to run the um, accounts. You should be able to train everybody. Sure. And I love when I see a boss going to talk with customers, going to talk with the security guys, going to talk with the new partner that just arrived, not telling him he's the boss, but just like, how are you feeling today? Mm. Um, do you want a bit of water?
1: Yeah.
0: I love that. I, w- I was a day on a, um, a film set and this lady had this yellow jacket, security jacket. Um, she was so tiny and she had this, it was like in the middle of the winter and she had this water kettle. And she kept asking for, like, hot water. Mm. And I was like, oh, this is so sweet. She's probably a volunteer and mm. giving, like, warm water for tea for her staff. Or, like, the apparently there was this actor from Games of Thrones. Oh, okay. Uh, well, the Charlotte things. I said, apparently. Uh, <laughs> like, um, film director, very big celebrity photographer. And I thought, oh, that's so sweet. I mean, like, oh, I'll, I'll ask if she wants a drink, you know, like, do you want a drink? Nobody's yeah. going to see it. Because I was about the at that time. Um, that was one of my... Um, Early days. Yeah. And then they finished everything and our bar was offering them a few drinks. And we were kind of celebrating the birthday of our, our bar manager. Okay. Everybody was getting drunk. And I see the lady again and we have some really nice music and they're like, come dance with me. Yeah. And she started dancing with me, and then I see that old gentleman on the side smiling at us. i like, come a bit drunk, come dance with me yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. I've learned that the lady that was dancing with me was basically uh, the producer of the whole movie. Wow. She, um, Stephanie Bamet, I think, it's she disgusting. produced X-Men. Oh, wow. Uh, she was basically the big boss, and okay. she was the one running around to bring hot water so that everybody would have like a tea, warm tea. And that, for me, is so, so important. When you see somebody that is at the top, not caring about anything just showing that you need to be there from A to Z mm-hmm. this is the kind of person I want to be
1: okay so that's as a leader that's the kind of a... okay and then with understanding what the like really getting to the beginning of the story with new trends mm-hmm. with consumers and maybe if there's a new type of music uh, you know, a new trend in the music industry a new genre or sub-genre as mm-hmm. they call it now how important or how do you find that out now that you're kind of taking on more engagement, more responsibility? How do you focus your time with each individual? For or, music? Yeah, for music.
0: So I got signed to a publishing label about uh, three years and a half ago, mm. just before I founded Kings and Queens. Okay. So I got an advance, and mm-hmm. my money was all invested in music. The financial relief I got from it, leaving my job at Selfridges, it created a space of time where I could just write, but then I had too much time on my hands. Mm-hmm. And this is where I had the freedom to create a company. Okay. And still today, I keep writing, I still have time to create new things, okay. and you fulfill each other. When I spend too much on music, I have enough of it. Okay. Ask any musician, you get bored. When you make money from something you love, you need some time off. So having a side hobby is incredible. Let's say my business side is a kind of a hobby and you just fulfill each other. So three years ago, work I signed and I'm now currently working on my um, debut single.
1: And that's going to be released in in November, November, right?
0: So any income basically I make is always for the music. Any business I have is a kind of relief for all basically the stress or the frustration I have Mm -hmm. with the music. It complement each other. As human beings, we're not just one entity. We have so many different parts. We're not just everyday happy. Mm. We have different feelings. We have different likes and dislikes. Mm
1: -hmm. And with regards to the music side of things, do you you feel that the business side of it financially helps you prosper as a musician? Because then you can afford to have the best uh, equipment to practice on. And you mentioned your instruments... Briefly, do you think that you're ever going to go down the business route specifically in music? Or do you still think that fashion is going to be a main driver for the business side?
0: So, my last company is called Cinderella Valtas LTD. So, at this bit, I decided to register my name okay. so that I could have my other companies as umbrellas.
1: Okay. That's
0: which, I mean, the company is me. Mm-hmm. Whatever I do are sides of me. Okay. Um... My company is registered as a publishing company
1: mm-hmm.
0: recording studio and media company okay so it can both include my journal the belt is a journal w- which talks about beauty fashion and food mm-hmm. and which will include in the future a music part
1: mm-hmm.
0: and my name is an artist mm-hmm. and releasing my single as a independent okay so it's always linked to each other it's obviously i will be using the company to invest in more material more production it just goes together Mm -hmm. any um finances i make from my social media channels is also under the company Mm -hmm. it all goes together
1: right now i just want to go into more about you uh your daily routines what makes you what do you do on a daily basis that helps you get to where you want to be in 3 years 5 years 20 years 50 years whatever it may be what would you do on a daily basis right now that you feel makes you the best person you can be
0: I try to wake up early mm-hmm. on 6 or 7 in the morning cool I try to go for a 30 minute run mm-hmm. don't go every day I've been trying to do my 30 day running challenge I failed twice okay but I do run more regularly than before sure so running is not just because you want to be fit it's also because you release endorphins in the morning okay. and you feel like you can take the world on, sure, and again, linked to music, the more you run, the more my breathing gets better, which helps me to sing of course, and that's one so I'll go for a run, and then when I come back, I'll have porridge okay. with banana and then a fruit on because it's so nice. It's lovely, yeah. I never get enough of porridge. Wow. Uh, I think this <laughs> is my discovery of the u k okay <laughs> <laughs> um, and I slowly changed my uh, eating habits so more healthy, more organic. Once I have my porridge, I go for a shower Mm -hmm. and then I see, okay, today I'll be working on my emails. Today I'll be working on my music. Today I'm going to be going to a social event. Mm -hmm. So my days are separated. I try to be very organized with what I do. I also support myself. Like Mm -hmm. I think today it's nice to be healthy. It's nice to thrive. But you need to realize that happiness is not the end of the goal happiness yeah. just in front of you. Okay. So I love reading comics. Sure. And if when I have enough, yeah. I'll just take my computer, go on the sofa, make sure I have a pack of Haribo of mm-hmm. Chris or hummus. And then I'll open one of my websites and I'll just start reading mangas okay.
1: or comics. What's your favorite?
0: I have many. I love one shots and horror stories. And then I'll read something more positive because if you watch or read something about horror, you're putting your mindset in a negative, like you, you're getting negative energies from it. So I would probably read a quick horror story and mm-hmm. then I'll read a quick um,
1: comedy, or love story. comedy
0: and then I'll watch maybe a, a quick 20-minute um, episode on Netflix from okay. Brooklyn Nine-Nine.
1: Yeah, that's your favorite? I yeah.
0: love it. I, I think... This series, as I said, happiness is just next to you. Sure. I think they've created an environment where they have their their worries, everyday worries, and then they have their everyday happiness.
1: Would you ever go into acting? We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Great. And um, if I was to ask you at this moment in time... What's your after everything you've been through, kind of like you didn't know you're gonna like how far you're gonna come and you've still got so so much to go, you got so many plans. What's your biggest fear?
0: I'm uh I'm fit like I'm scared of not being happy. Okay. I'm scared that if everything goes well that I will forget about what was really meaningful to me.
1: Okay. And you think that um London is the final destination.
0: No. Yep. Right? London is an investment
1: destination. Okay. And uh, with regards to your music, we're already expecting a new single. How many... Do you have like a plan of how many albums you want to release or how many... Do you have like a specific target?
0: I want to release... So this is going to be my debut album. Okay. So um, I've been releasing before mostly YouTube videos sure. and then when I got signed they got all taken off because it's all for copyright reasons and um, my debut single will be released in November and then the idea is to have a single being released every four months Okay. and then in one year to one year and a half having my debut album.
1: So you've got a structure behind it. Yes. Okay, fantastic. And then with um, with the social media side of things do you think that's going to continue supporting brands collaborating? Yes.
0: Funds the music career,
1: yeah. Of course, yeah. I mean,
0: it's not just short term, you may think, Oh, I'm getting money from posting mm-hmm. that one picture. But I think about you know what, this brand I love working with them, they're so relevant to me when I'm organizing my debut single party. They may become the sponsor of the party,
1: mm-hmm. so the contacts are also
0: important, exactly. It's you think long term, anything you do. My biggest recommendation would be long term not okay. short term instead of if you really want something don't beg the person and just think oh whatever if I have it now it's great no mm-hmm. don't ask this time let it go yeah. and invite a person for a coffee don't ask this person if it's a brand don't ask the person hey do you want to sponsor me I'll be like well, you no know I think long term with you let's go for a coffee let's get to know each other
1: I think I can hear people in around the world scribbling notes <laughs> <laughs> What would you say as the top three tips for relationship building? Because it seems like that's your superpower. That's, that's what makes you stand out from everyone else.
0: Break the mask. Break the mask. Everybody wears a mask. Yeah. Every, when you meet somebody at a bar, when you meet somebody at a party, yeah. when you meet somebody, somebody at an event, we get ready at home think, with a mindset, Be like, okay, today I'm going to this party because my friend is playing. Today I'm going to this party because I want to get that contact. Today I'm going to this party because I really fancy this girl. Okay. You go there with a mindset, and that mindset is your mask. It's not who you really are. Okay. So my number one is take that mask off, whether you're the person wearing the mask, or whether the other person
1: mm-hmm.
0: So my number one is like, break it.
1: And is that linked to the fact that it's important to be happy, and if you go with an agenda and you don't meet it, you might come back disappointed. Is yes. that okay?
0: The second one will be cherish the relationships you have. It's easy to have a business card. Mm -hmm. I mean, go to many events, you'll get those business cards. And the mistake, I would say a lot of people do, myself included, Mm -hmm. is you get that business card and then it ends up on the desk in a bag and you forget about it. Um, Cherish your friends, your family. Your neighbor, the new business cards you got, put it on in an Excel sheet. Yeah. Send a text, say, "Hey, so lovely meeting you. Okay. Let's catch up for coffee. Even if you don't catch up for six months, it's yeah. fine. Um, let's send an email. Hey, it was so lovely meeting you. Hope we can meet soon. And when you have an event that you think it may be good, as I said, select the people sure. to invite.
1: Okay.
0: Um, but I would really recommend create that Excel sheet.
1: Okay.
0: Um, there's an amazing example of um, this producer musician Ryan something and Ryan uh, really wanted to make it in the hip hop world
1: okay
0: and he was proposed a deal by labels and he had a low background and he read the contract and was like this is shit I'm never signing this labels are terrible
1: yeah
0: (laughs) so he went to see his mentor and he was like man I don't know what to do it was like Labels are not offering good deals. Uh, so his mentor told him, Go gig. Go do loads of free gigs. Mm-hmm. And after your gig, go talk to people and get their numbers. No need for their social media, Facebook, Instagram, no need for their emails. Right. Just get their numbers. How long ago was this? I don't know how long ago. A few years. Okay, sure. I'll give you some more details. Sure, no. <laughs> it's just a story that was okay. told to me. So I didn't check it either, but I okay. thought the moral of the story the was story. incredible. Okay. And the dude um, gigs, get numbers, and he ends up collecting 15,000 numbers after one year. 15,000. So he goes to his mentor and he's like, I got those numbers. And his mentor's like, what, 15,000? <laughs> How? Well, um, and he's like, okay, now, go back to uh, each city you've been gigging. come Organize like a gig and contact those people. Say, hey, uh, I'm going in town, what would you like to do? Do you want to go for coffee? Do you want to go for lunch? Do you want to see me gig? And he had several answers, and he would then organize um, dinners with people and ask them to pay maybe 20 pounds and create a deal with the restaurant. So he would make money from catching up with people, and then he would do a, a gig and he asked people, how much are you willing to pay to see me gig? And then some people were like, oh, actually, I have a conference. Um, would you like to speak? I really like the way you were talking at the event. And he releases music at the same time. So okay. 15,000 numbers, let's say 15,000 streams on Spotify. You know how much money that is? About 250 pounds.
1: Okay. So. Um, and that's not assuming the fact that they haven't shared it. Yeah. Like another, well,
0: um, yeah. I actually forgot a detail. So 15,000 people listening to your Spotify. Usually yeah. the average of person will listen to three to four songs. Okay. So we can think about having forty to fifty thousand streams. That's about two hundred fifty pounds. Okay, I see. From contacting all those fifteen thousand people, like a lot of people never answered him. They were like, "Well, who's this weirdo who still got my number?" Whatever. Um, he made over two million in one year. Two <laughs> million
1: just. Just because of the numbers. From Spotify or multiple streams. No, no,
0: Spotify. He only made yeah, two hundred fifty a million. month. Yeah,
1: a month. Okay.
0: He made in one year two million. Because of that network, by cherishing those numbers, by saying, hey, I want to catch up. that You can make so much money from silly things, but money is not the,
1: Key the point angle. Yeah. But
0: it, it just shows you that this person invested a whole year.
1: Of free gigs.
0: Of free gigs, of creating a network, and then he monetized that
1: network. And more importantly, he took the time and was genuine. He took the mask off. Yeah. So combining everything, he okay, I see So he went in there kind of innocent, not naive, but like quite ignorant, not knowing why he's doing all this. Came back with 15,000 numbers. His mentor told him, okay, now this is the next step. So without that agenda, he was actually better off. Okay.
0: Maybe he kind of knew, you know, You know that that if you get numbers, you always think, oh, maybe this guy Mm. or girl are going to come to my gig.
1: You start spotting patterns and. Yeah, okay. So. That, that's a really... That's kind of a good bedtime yeah. story. So, <laughs> number
0: two, cherish your um, network.
1: And build your network.
0: And build your yeah. network. And then... Stay
1: on top of it, yeah.
0: I'm thinking about what would be number three. Number three would be like, keep believing in yourself. Yeah. Keep believing in your ideas and make it happen. Because okay. I think the only person that can stop yourself
1: is yourself. Sure. That's true. It's all in the mind. With regards to the social media, mm-hmm. um, what what would you say... For influencers, what's the biggest myths? Because I think there's a perception out there that a lot of influencers, if you have more than a 100,000 followers or this many mm-hmm. likes, I think they're getting rid of likes now on Instagram. Yes, really. I've heard. What are your thoughts on that, just quickly?
0: Well, I'm a bit sad because I kind of like to see when I know friends are liking my pictures. It's like, oh, you're liking And then I see them in my notifications. So I go mm-hmm. on their page and then I go okay. like their thing. So I'll have,
1: yeah. But you can still like, but they can't see how many likes you have. I think yeah. that's the. Um, to reduce anxiety or some sort of. There's like a agenda behind it from Instagram. I don't
0: really get affected by if people like my pictures. Mm-hmm. When I go back to my old post that I've archived now, I've had like in the beginning 20 likes, and I will always remember, oh my god, people like 20 yeah. times. <laughs> and I was like, wow. And I, rem- I look at myself back and I'm like, I got excited for 20 likes. <laughs> <laughs> because you will always chase after numbers
1: yeah
0: so there's um i What's guess it? it's a good thing but I, I don't really know i don't really get affected anymore but if i get thousand likes in a picture and on another one i get ten thousand great but it's kind of like i rather have comments like positive comments sure. from people that really didn't time to write to me
1: or messages even yeah. so like okay and do you think virality so tagging people sharing it do you think they're better attributes of a healthy account than likes on their own because I think likes they take like less than a second so it could just be someone sweeping through and trying to get attention yeah I but did that yeah in <laughs> the <day laughs> when I <it> was
0: growing <laughs> I would literally just like people's picture without even reading or looking I was just like
1: okay so it's lost its value actually yeah. that heart has lost its value I guess so so now we're really focusing on the true KPIs mm-hmm. which is the b- uh, bookmark yeah. sharing tagging so okay
0: I don't really understand I like, I've under- I understand the um, uh, arguments wanting to delete the likes, apparently for health issues that people actually really get affected.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: This is something that's kind of... New. Not new, but alienated. Like, I feel okay. very um, strange about it because it never affected me. So, okay. I never cared about, or would never feel sad because people are like, oh, I only have like 20 likes on it.
1: Um... So that's kind of a message to say that people shouldn't really focus on themselves compared to others, mm-hmm. but rather like the actual quality, sort of, the comments. And, so for you, it never affected you because you knew that was never the most important thing. Mm. Okay. No. Okay. Um, what are the other kind of myths? I mean, I think people think that people love collecting likes, but that's clearly not true. What, what else is kind of you say? I
0: think the myths are... How, or well, you, you know about the expression, fake it until you make it.
1: Okay.
0: A lot of people in the, because I'm constantly surrounded by social media celebrities, artists, uh, even celebrities in general. Sure. Um, people feeling they're all wealthy. I've worked with big producers in their time who are not, they're wealthy anymore. They okay. used to. And I think there's a, a lot of... um image that has been thrown at the public and the public only see one side of the story. I see. um, That it's so easy to just do one post with a product and be paid a a grand for it. Okay. Um, Being in that industry, I know for sure that when I go to a fashion show, probably half of the people in front row are not as wealthy as they seem to be. Okay. That people struggle to have deals happening. It can go well one month. It's such an uncertain parallel.
1: Yeah. Um, and
0: there's so much hard work behind is it it's not the myth of a picture a grand is that you spend a whole week maybe two weeks emailing back and forth with a brand to have the deal done once the deal is done you have to sign a contract once the contract is signed it says you'll be paid maybe in 30 days because as a company, you have an invoice to send.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Then you have a deadline, or you're scheduling the posts. So if it's a, just a selfie for some people, or if it's a proper editorial. So you'll hire a photographer, mm-hmm. you'll hire a stylist if you work with a stylist, or you'll do a collaboration with a stylist. Yeah. you look for a venue, so you'll go location scouting. Okay. Then you're doing the shoot, then you'll spend another extra hours to Edits. edit the picture. And then you have to send that content for approval to the brand. Mm -hmm. When their brand approves it, you write your caption, you share it. Then you spend another hour just to answer back comments because you want to be active, engaging. You You want your um, followers slash customers enjoy the experience of having this image sent to them.
1: Basically, there's a lot of work that goes into Mm -hmm.
0: it. And some brands will ask for a report after. They want to know how much your posts reach out now if you're a big celebrity you probably have a team doing it for you outsource it yeah but it's still a hard work and people tend to forget that there may be a whole team behind a single shot oh. let's say kim kardashian showing their fo- uh, shampoo do you really think she's going to be emailing herself the brand her team is probably sending back and forth emails and then saying hey kim are you happy to promote this this is the money is going to be paid. let's do that shot sending the report to the brand and this is the biggest myth that one picture cash.
1: Have you made any well, mistakes, I call mistakes, like learnings, as you were starting and you thought maybe I didn't include this in the deal, or maybe something backfired? What's the key thing that you don't want to leave out? In that? Um,
0: licensing my image.
1: Licensing your image? To be reused? Okay. Yeah.
0: Cool. So I put a close that so they can use the image only for 12 months. Okay. When I started, I did just like gifting collaborations. And now you know you have that little shop uh, tag that you can add on your Instagram. Yeah, yeah. So if the brand doesn't pay me and I've just been lending an outfit from a showroom and I post a picture and then the brand uses that picture and put the shop tag, which means they basically commercialize my picture mm-hmm. and they have no right to do that. And the worst is when they tag the shop, they don't and they do not tag me, And they do not tag my photographer. Wow. And it pissed me off so much because I love photography. I worked in a photography Mm -hmm. shop. My partner does photography. I tag my partner. I tag every single photographer I work with because I respect their work. Mm -hmm. And I find it very disrespectful when an individual or a company shares someone else's picture and do... And do not put the rightful mm-hmm. tags. You're basically stealing the copyright and you're mm-hmm. stealing some, someone's work. They've mm-hmm. put so much efforts.
1: It's poor ethics, yeah. It's ethics. And for you now, you put those clauses in. Yes. And obviously, there's ways to negotiate around it. Mm-hmm. So now you've become kind of more. I'm um, very
0: uh, strict, yeah. Okay. One of my main clauses is um, the time limit on image licensing. Image, okay. And my saying is. Um, credits, credits okay. and I will chase up if I see pictures being reposted of me by brands okay
1: um, Okay. and is there a particular brand that you think is a model example of how they approach this or do you think there's like now the PR source here most companies now have this um,
0: there's network. still a lot of companies who are not there's
1: a few horror stories <laughs> there are a few
0: horror stories which I'm not going to go no, into no, no, details
1: maybe write a Mango about it one day <laughs>
0: I love working with independent brands sure. because they're only wanting to learn. Sure. Um more authentic. They're so authentic. They're like, I'll tell them I want this and this and this. And they're like, sure, sure. Um, sure. Please teach me. Cool. And I'm like, oh, this is great. Yeah. You're paying me. You're respecting my work. Yeah. And I'm helping a, an independent brand to grow bigger.
1: So that's the ideal scenario. The, yeah. Okay. And are there any other myths just before we...
0: Um, the myth of overnight success.
1: Overnight success. So yeah, that's the thing. How quickly do you, I mean, there's people wondering like, uh, I'm liking pictures for a month, I'm reposting on this, I'm doing stories, I'm engaging, like it's so slow, but how important are those incremental baby steps?
0: It is so important. Yeah. We, I keep doing it myself. Okay. I would spend time and go on hashtags to find new accounts to like. Okay. Small people, because I know that those baby steps make me grow every day. You cannot rely on what you already have, because things can disappear overnight. Yeah. And things such as overnight success. When I say it's a big myth, all the biggest influencers in and celebrities today. When you hear about an artist singer sure. who becomes famous the next day, I say the all the songs of a singer are on the radio, and like wow I love it. She came from nowhere. He came from nowhere. I'm like. Um this person has probably spent a year and a half writing the album, um, spending time in recording studios, spending time networking, um, spending time before being signed to the label. Uh, it's like and usually when someone comes onto the radio, like a new artist, usually they had an EP release a year before and it was a whole year of promotion. I see. Overnight success with social media stars. Okay. Um all the big ones that have over one million followers. Yeah. They've been on social media, most of them, since 2012. I see. And they've been growing and growing and growing. And it's just that moment when they reach um, that amount of follower, or they've reached their big deal or they've reached their network of celebrities. It took them months to years. And then that one day, it's just a snowball effect. But it's a snowball effect of... Yeah, the eyes.
1: How long do you think Instagram will be able to keep this up?
0: Um, I have no idea actually. Um, but I'm not counting just on Instagram. I think relying on one network is not enough. Of course. That's why I think it's really important to have both an online and offline presence. Okay.
1: Do you have a split? Do you have a 50-50 energy split? Like, do you focus more on one than the other? Or do you feel that having three channels online, I don't know how many channels offline, or do you, would you go with the flow?
0: Um, I go with the flow I used to be on Google Plus I had a community there oh, yeah. and then they shut it down oh. in 2000 yeah there you, go. you never know what you, you never, know. Know. never know but because I still had my other channel Instagram I know that if Instagram gets deleted tomorrow
1: yeah
0: I'm okay with it okay because my offline presence is still strong again I got my Excel cheat
1: yeah
0: so I know that I can still contact those people
1: 15,000 yeah <laughs> 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 lovely okay well um just want to finish off on yeah. uh, future projects, anything that we can look forward to. Um, are you going to write a book? Are you going to... Uh, you, say, you said you might be an actress one day. You, you're not sure yet.
0: I said just maybe. maybe we'll maybe, see if maybe. the opportunity comes. Uh,
1: yeah. I
0: have no acting skills and it will be kind of... Um, I don't know, disrespectful to people who has been... Have you
1: seen 50 Cent? His acting? I, mean, <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> no, shocking though. <Yeah>. No. <laughs>
0: um, but I know that you can learn with time, right yeah. now, I really want to concentrate on my debut single and of my course. company, Devout Of
1: course. Well, we all look forward to the single, and uh, we look forward to your little guitar piece for Martin sand Amazing. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thanks a lot for coming. Thank you so much for having me. Take care.